0: Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. The richest democracies countering China's expansion, announcing a new plan to invest in global infrastructure. They're offering countries an alternative to Beijing's Belt and Road. Pro-abortion protesters and pro-life activists demonstrated outside the Supreme Court in Washington and other cities this weekend. We take a look at the first weekend in post-Roe v. Wade America. In light of two major Supreme Court rulings on guns and abortion, we hear from a constitutional scholar. He breaks down the decisions in terms of precedent and interpreting the Constitution. Border agents have been releasing more illegal immigrants into the U.S. under the catch-and-release program in recent years. The number has more than doubled in five years. The world's richest democracies announced a new global infrastructure program over the weekend. It aims to counter the Chinese regime's expansion through its enormous loans to poor countries for building infrastructure. And today's Jessica Beatty has more.
1: Leaders of the G7 group announced an infrastructure program Sunday at a summit in Germany. It's called the Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment.
2: Collectively, we aim to mobilize nearly $600 billion dollars from the G7 by 2027.
1: President Biden said the United States would contribute $200 billion over five years. He said the funds would support projects in low- and middle-income countries that help tackle climate issues, as well as improve global health, gender equity, and digital infrastructure.
2: I want to be clear, this isn't aid or charity. It's an investment that will deliver returns for everyone, including the American people and the people of all our nations.
1: Europe pledged over $300 billion for the program. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said the program would build a sustainable alternative to China's Belt and Road Initiative. To show the world that democracies, when they work together, provide the single best path to deliver results for our people and people all over the world. Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping launched his Belt and Road Initiative in 2013. It established global trade links through building railways, ports, highways, and other infrastructure projects. Critics of the BRI call it a form of debt-trap diplomacy, saddling developing nations with high debt. If they can't pay China back, then they risk having to hand over strategic infrastructure and resources to Beijing. Biden said the G7's new program is a chance for democracies to share their positive vision for the future.
2: When democracies demonstrate what we can do, all that we have to offer. I have no doubt that we'll win the competition every time.
1: The G7 summit's also focusing on steps to stabilize global energy markets, as well as an import ban on gold from Russia. Jessica Beatty, NTD News.
0: The Supreme Court voted to side with a football coach over his right to pray on the football field after games. Justices said his right to pray is protected by the First Amendment. Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote in the decision that the Constitution and our traditions advise mutual tolerance, not censorship and suppression. Justice Sonia Sotomayor was among the justices that dissented and wrote the decision forces states to entangle themselves with religion. The case involves a former football coach who started praying on the field in 2008. Over the years, students joined him in prayer. He also led them in locker room prayers. When the school district found out what the coach was doing, they told him to stop, which he did, but he continued to pray in the field by himself. The school eventually put him on paid leave. A grocery store employee is under arrest after slapping former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani in the back Sunday. Giuliani was campaigning for his son in a shop right on Staten Island when an employee hit him and voiced a derogatory comment. The 78-year-old managed to stay on his feet, but said he was lucky he didn't fall and crack his skull. Store security responded immediately. The 39-year-old shop right associate was turned over to the police. New York gubernatorial candidate Andrew Giuliani says the attack was politically motivated. The candidate in the Republican primary for New York governor says he wants all New Yorkers to feel safe from crime again. A new report finds that the federal government has been using the catch-and-release program more than before. The program would release illegal immigrants into the U.S. instead of detaining them. Here are the details.
3: A new report from the U.S. Government Accountability Office found that the federal government has enrolled more illegal immigrants in the Alternatives to Detention program, or what's more commonly known as catch-and-release, since 2015. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, has been running the program since 2004. The federal government is required by law to detain illegal immigrants until they have a court hearing, but it doesn't have the capacity to do so. So a portion of the illegal immigrants captured at the border get released into the U.S. under this program. The new report says that in 2015, ICE enrolled 53,000 illegal immigrants in the program. By 2020, that figure jumped to 111,000. About a quarter of the illegal immigrants in the program fled the address they were supposed to stay at and could not be located. In fiscal year 2020, which stretched across the Trump and Biden administrations, 33% of those in the program could not be located. The Government Accountability Office got the figures by analyzing data from contractors paid to help run the program. The agency concluded that further actions could improve its implementation, assessment and oversight of the program and its $2.2 billion contract. The government agency issued 10 recommendations. They include making sure contractors meet standards and provide legal presentations to the illegal immigrants. Most illegal immigrants placed in the program from 2015 through 2020 were from Central America.
0: Next, we get some analysis on the two major Supreme Court rulings on guns and abortion, offering insight as a constitutional scholar and former law professor at the University of Montana. Joining us now is Rob Nadelson, who is a senior fellow in constitutional jurisprudence at the Independence Institute. Thanks for joining us, Rob. It's great to be with you. What can you tell us about the Supreme Court's gun ruling and overturning Roe v. Wade in terms of precedent? You know, last
2: year I wrote an analysis for the Epic Times, pointing out that despite all the ballyhoo about this being a conservative Supreme Court, in fact they were sticking to the old liberal case precedents, so they were sticking to liberal methods. What's significant about these latest two that has now changed. In Roe versus Wade, the court has overruled one of the classic precedents of the twentieth century liberal court, and in the New York State firearms case,
0: they discarded as standard method by which the liberals uh, interpret the Constitution. And what can you tell us about the way that conservative versus progressive Supreme Courts have ruled? Well, we really have not had a conservative
2: Supreme Court in the sense that we used to have a progressive Supreme Court for many, many, many years. The people on the court who are comprised the sixth judge majority that the press likes to talk about aren't really... Cons- driven to reach conservative decisions. They're driven to reach decisions based on the Constitution or based on case precedent. There are three members of the court, on the other hand, who are liberal activists. So I wouldn't describe the court right now as either progressive or conservative.
0: It's it's really somewhere in the middle. It's an interesting point of view. Now, do you expect that there to be challenges to other well-established gun laws in light of this ruling? There's
2: a good possibility of that. I mean, you've got some states that are trying to deny people the right to keep and bear arms based upon subjective or arbitrary criteria. The Supreme Court said that the, that the states can certainly establish standards for licensing or carrying or concealed carry. That's all fine. What they can't do is leave it up to the arbitrary whim of some local law enforcement officer. And to the extent that some states are still doing that, I would expect there to be challenges to those laws.
0: Let's talk about the Supreme Court's overturning Roe v. Wade. The Constitution yeah. does protect certain fundamental liberties, but it does not mention abortion. How is it possible that the court had come to derive this, meaning that abortion is one of them in the first place? The, the uh, holding in
2: 1973 that the, that the Constitution somehow protected abortion was based upon two errors. The first error was the view that the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, the provision which says no state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, the error was that that gave the power to the courts to review the substance of laws. That's not what that provision is about. So that was the first mistake. The second mistake was in concluding that abortion was a right deeply embedded in the American tradition or in our concept of ordered liberty. That very shortly after Roe versus Wade was decided was demonstrated not to be true. And what is significant is even in Justice Breyer's dissent, he acknowledged that that was not true. So the Roe versus Wade decision was based upon two fundamental errors of constitutional law, and the court at least has righted one of those errors, and that is the notion that abortion is somehow deeply rooted in the American tradition.
0: Constitutional scholar Rob Nadelson, thank you so much for your analysis.
2: It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you.
0: Pro-abortion protesters and pro-life activists demonstrated across the U.S. It comes in response to the Supreme Court officially overturning the precedent that legalized abortion nationwide. We take a look at the first weekend in post-Roe v. Wade America. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg reports.
4: Demonstrators at the U.S. Capitol on Sunday showed contrasting opinions with pro-abortion protesters shouting slogans in defiance of the ruling and pro-life supporters celebrating the decision. In St. Louis, Missouri, protesters marched on the streets after a state law contingent on the ruling took effect that bans abortions except in cases of a medical emergency. Demonstrations in Phoenix, Arizona turned chaotic, with protesters trying to kick in the glass doors of the state Senate building and vandalizing monuments nearby. Several arrests were made on Saturday when a fence was torn down outside the Capitol building. Protests also took place in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Atlanta, Detroit, Chicago, Seattle, and Boston, among other cities. With the 1973 Roe v. Wade precedent that legalized abortion nationwide being reversed, each state will now decide their own abortion policies. Roughly half the states in the U.S. will move to restrict abortions following the Supreme Court's Friday ruling states such as arkansas idaho kentucky louisiana mississippi missouri north dakota south dakota oklahoma tennessee texas utah and wyoming have trigger laws that take effect immediately restricting abortions south dakota governor christy noem is introducing a bill to ban telemedicine appointments that will prevent women from obtaining prescription abortion pills through the mail and online Five other states, including Alabama, Arizona, Michigan, West Virginia, and Wisconsin, had bans on abortion from the time before the Roe v. Wade ruling in 1973. Georgia, Iowa, Ohio, and South Carolina have laws that ban abortions after the six-week mark. These laws will be revisited after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Florida, Indiana, Montana, and Nebraska are also likely to ban abortion based on previous and current efforts. More than 30 Democrat senators requested President Biden stop states from preventing abortions following the Supreme Court's ruling, using what they called in a joint letter the full force of the federal government. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The White House confirms President Biden
0: does not support Democrats' bid to expand the Supreme Court. The announcement comes after Democrats repeated their calls to expand the number of justices. The White House press secretary confirmed Biden's position while speaking to reporters on Air Force One. Democrats have ramped up calls to pack the court after the overturning of Roe v. Wade on Friday. Democrat Senator Elizabeth Warren told ABC News that the Supreme Court had lost legitimacy and that adding more justices would help the court regain confidence. Critics of moving the court beyond nine justices have said that it would allow Democrats to place additional judges on the bench to sway future rulings in their favor. Explorers discover the world's deepest known shipwreck. It's been at the bottom of the Philippine Sea for almost 78 years after a World War II battle between U.S. and Japanese forces. Explorer Victor Vescovo and sonar specialist Jeremy Morizette found the USS Samuel B. Roberts in the depths of the ocean. They found it broken into two pieces. The ship was discovered at a depth of over 22,000 feet. Previously, the deepest wreck ever identified and surveyed was the USS Johnston, also discovered by Vescovo. That lies at a depth of over 21,000 feet. Vescovo told CNN the ship fought ferociously in the battle-off summer, even though it was outclassed by Japanese battleships and heavy cruisers. 89 of the ship's 224 crew members were killed. The survivors had to wait on life rafts for 50 hours for rescue. Vescovo says finding the ship can help bring closure to the lives of those associated with people who served on the ship. Coming up, the Wimbledon Tennis Tournament is underway. Some of the world's top players get ready for the world's oldest tennis tournament amid a ban on Russian and Belarusian players. And the Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup and stopped the Tampa Bay Lightning from getting a three-peat. We hear from coaches on both teams after this break. Some of the Tennis World's star players put in training sessions on Sunday afternoon. It was the eve of the Wimbledon Tennis Tournament. All-time Grand Slam leader Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic are expected to go far in the tournament as they look to make more history. entities Andrew Thomas reports.
5: Emma Raducanu and Andy Murray are the home favorites to win at Wimbledon. Raducanu will seek to live up to the hype after a sensational run at her debut in the tournament last year. Murray was Wimbledon champion in 2013 and 2016. Spain's rising star Carlos Alcaraz commented on the tournament's grass courts.
3: The hardest thing I would say to move. Uh, for me, move well on, on grass is uh, the hardest thing, uh, and uh, well, I would say to play aggr- to play aggressive, uh, trying to go to the net. Uh, this the the best part that they translate the, my, my game in, in the other surface to to this one.
5: This year's tournament will be held without points after organizers decided to ban Russian and Belarusian players from participating due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Australian player Nick Kyrgios shared his opinion on the decision. I mean, my honest opinion, I think it's, I, I don't think it was a good idea to ban the Russian players to play. I think Medvedev is the best we have in our sport right now, and you look at some of their other players, Rublev, Kachanov. Like they're important young players for our sport to continue to grow. It is the first time players have been excluded from Wimbledon on grounds of nationality since the immediate post-World War II era, when German and Japanese players were banned. Me, personally, as a competitor and someone that wants them, you know, want to go up against them, I'm disappointed that they're not here. You know, it's weird. It's it's not saying Medvedev here. Russian and Belarusian players are currently banned from international team competitions, but they can compete as individual athletes without their flag. They were allowed to participate in the French Open. There will be no restrictions against them in two months' time at the U.S. Open, the year's final Grand Slam in New York. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: The Colorado Avalanche wins the Stanley Cup Finals, keeping the Tampa Bay Lightning from winning three Stanley Cups in three years. The coaches talk about what it means to them.
3: You know, it takes a moment or two to sink in. Even when we're on the ice, it's just hard to believe because you're you know, you have been working for this for, well, for me, for six years and on a journey with these guys and, and building our team. And, and I, I'm just so proud of these guys and what they put into the season.
4: You remember the teams you win with. Regardless of the league you're coaching in, you'll always remember those teams. And you don't remember as much the ones that you don't win with. But I will always remember this team for what they endured. What-
0: The Avalanche won their third Stanley Cup title in franchise history. Colorado also won titles in 1996 and 2001. They defeated Tampa Bay 2-1 in Game 6 on Sunday. The team set a franchise record with nine road wins in a playoff year. Six clubs share the NHL record of ten road victories in the playoffs. The Lightning were trying to become the seventh team to force a Game 7 after trailing 3-2 in a best-of-seven cup final. Final preparations are underway in Copenhagen ahead of the Grand Depart of the Tour de France on Friday. The race will start with a 13-kilometer individual time trial in Copenhagen, then the second stage takes the competitors over the 18-kilometer Great Belt Bridge. The third and final stage in Denmark will see riders cover 182 kilometers between Viley and Sonderberg. Excitement is high in Copenhagen, a city where cycling is very popular. Denmark will become the 10th country to hold a Tour de France Grand Depart. There will be 21 stages in this year's race, covering four countries, Denmark, Belgium, Switzerland, and ending in Paris, France, on July 24th. This is the 109th edition of the race. An estimated 1,000 Volkswagen Beetles of varying years, colors, and conditions drove through the streets of Mexico City. That's where Beetle owners gathered to show their love for the classic vehicle. The 13th edition of the annual Beetle Parade involves different fan clubs in the Mexican capital. It commemorates the popular vehicle. The Bug, or Vocho as the Beetle was nicknamed, debuted in 1938. That's just before World War II began. Adolf Hitler commissioned the vehicle to promote car ownership among Germans. With its recognizable design and inexpensive price, the car became a success story and was one of the top-selling models of all time. According to auto publications, it was also the best-selling import in the United States in the 1960s. Despite its place in popular culture, sales of the Beetle had been lackluster in recent years. The German automaker announced in 2018 that the Beetle would go extinct. A businessman attending the Beetle parade says no car will ever take its place. With old age comes the risk of mental decline, but there's hope. If there was a simple answer to prevent this, you would act on it, right? Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body.
6: Sometimes to get answers to modern questions, we have to reach back into the distant past. Blueberries have been part of the human diet for more than 13,000 years. You could say they've stood the test of time. They are one of the best foods you can eat for a number of reasons. Let's start with vascular health. If you want to keep your blood vessels flexible and stable, include blueberries daily. People with heart disease or diabetes benefit from the flavonoids and phytochemicals in them. Studies have shown blueberries offer sustained benefits. When it comes to cancer prevention, blueberries' reputation is confirmed. They are packed with tannins and anthocyanins. If someone you know has degenerative conditions, including mental decline, coordination problems, and balance problems, suggest they try blueberries. They should notice improvements in a few short weeks. The potent phytochemicals found in the berries preserve brain health. Using them juiced, frozen, or powdered works too. Here's that phytochemicals it again. Well, they're essential for normal functioning of our immune systems, and where our cells may be affected by toxins or aging, call on the blueberries for a One of my favorite ways of enjoying blueberries is in a smoothie. This recipe is a nutrient-dense way to start your day. Start your day with two cups of fresh or frozen blueberries, three quarters of a cup of milk, any type will do, one tablespoon of flax seeds, ground, Five kale leaves, blend and enjoy. To be healthy in your senior years, let's form the right habits now. Make blueberries your daily friends.
0: If you've got plans to fly anytime soon, plan to get to the airport early. The number of people who went through security checkpoints just hit a pandemic era high. On Sunday, the TSA reported that more than 2.4 million people passed through its checkpoints. That's the most since February 2020, before the pandemic tanked travel demand. The surge comes as flight cancellations continue. Flight tracking site FlightAware says more than 800 flights were canceled Sunday. And at the start of the day today, nearly 700 flights had already been canceled. Most of these cancellations are because of storms on the East Coast, but airlines are still struggling with staff shortages too. Top Gun Maverick soared to new heights over the weekend. Variety magazine reported the movie crossed the $1 billion mark at the global box office. The sky-high takings make the movie the top-grossing film of 2022 at the global box office. It surpassed Disney and Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which has earned over $940 million. The Tom Cruise-led sequel to the 1986 hit movie continued its strong performance at the U.S. box office in its fifth weekend. It refused to bow out to new entry Elvis, directed by Baz Luhrmann and starring Austin Butler and Tom Hanks. Variety says the two movies tied for first place in North America over the weekend, with each film taking in $30.5 million. The final results will be tallied today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email address on screen. We'd love to hear from you. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.